0: God to bring messages um, quickly and not so much of a struggle. And I thought, okay, this is obviously not me as God. And so yesterday, which was really neat, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not so stressed. Uh, the messages are almost done. And uh, so I decided, okay, I think God wants me to pray, you know. So uh, I told Rita, I said, you know, uh, after, after lunch, I just want to go to the park and just pray for a couple hours and to see how God leads. And, uh, and I'm not going to pray about the church. And I'm not going to pray about what to do. I'm just going to pray and, and just be quiet with God and say, God, minister to my soul. God, speak however you want to speak. Even if it's just like you need to fix things in my life that have nothing to do with the church, that's fine too. Because that's God. I want God I want you to just... Um, Uh, uh, just speak. And it was a really refreshing time. I think God really calmed my spirit as I walked and prayed and read God's word and read some spiritual books. And God was just saying, um, just walk with me. Don't worry about what you need to do. And I was reading this book, and it says a lot of times we worry. Worry is about things of the present. You know, what am I going to do? Preoccupation is about things in the future. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I know those are things that are always in my mind, you know. And as I was reading this book, and as I was praying, and I was reading God's word, and God just seemed to be saying, "Um, okay, put those things out of the way, and just walk with me. And if you walk with me, things will be fine and call other people to to walk with me as well. And so that really uh, became just my whole thought, just those two hours, just praying and walking, saying, God just saying to me, walk with me, and call others to walk with me as well. And no matter what happens, everything's going to be fine because God's going to do wonderful things when his people walk with him. And so I was really um, encouraged and blessed and I did want to share it with you. And actually, even as I pray, uh, this is unusual, but um, I do want to pray the prayer that I read. Uh, This is a prayer diary and uh, these are just prayers that we should pray, you know, that we can pray in the morning or pray, one prayer in the morning, one prayer in the evening. And so I was using this kind of as a way to to focus my mind and heart. You know, pray one in the morning and pray one in the evening. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, let's, let's pray this prayer and I'll lead this prayer as I read uh, this prayer that was written by one of the saints long ago. And let's go ahead and let's bow in prayer. Eternal Father of my soul, let my first thought today be of you. Let my first impulse be to worship you. Let my first word be your name and let my first action be to kneel before you in prayer. For your perfect wisdom and perfect goodness, for the love that you have for all people, for the love that you have for me, for the great and mysterious opportunity of life, for your spirit that dwells in my heart, I praise and worship you, O Lord. And yet when this morning prayer is finished, do not let me think that my worship is ended and spend the rest of my day forgetting you, Rather, from these quiet moments, let light and joy and power pour out and remain with me through every hour of this day. May that light and joy and power keep my thoughts pure. Keep me gentle and truthful in all I say. Keep me faithful and diligent in all my work. Keep me humble in my opinion of myself. Keep me honorable and generous in my dealings with others. Keep me loyal in every cherished memory of the past. Keep me mindful of my eternal destiny as your child. Oh God, you have been the refuge of your people through many generations. Be my refuge in every moment, in every need that I may face today. Be my guide through all uncertainty and darkness. Be my guard against all that threatens my spiritual well-being. Be my strength in times of testing. Cheer my heart with your peace through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. So this morning, uh, we're continuing our focus on this second aspect of discipleship, and that's the area of transformation. We saw that discipleship means to, to follow Jesus, to, to the calling, it means that that, we want, that Jesus is going to make us, meaning he's going to transform us and change us, and he's calling us to mission, to be fishers of men. So this year we're going to be focusing our attention on transformation. Even as we go out and serve the community, we believe that this is not just an, a, a matter of us just doing things, but it's a matter of God transforming our lives, transforming our communities again as we walk with him. So today as we look at transformation, we want to look particularly at transformation in community. And in his book, The Kingdom Life, uh, Bill Thrall writes this about community. He says, if you attend a church, what is the most carefully crafted message of your week? Meaning like, you know, is, what is the message that you hear and say? When you walk into some churches, you can feel freedom and joy and safety before anyone has spoken to you. It's an atmosphere You can also sense intimidation, fear, or power in the room. Environments are determinative either for good or evil, growth or degradation. Therefore, it not only matters what we as parents, as presidents, and pastors say and do, but how we do what we do in community. That's the most important message of this church Is again, not the sermons, not the teaching and all the things that we may say, but really how we do the things that we do in community here. We can't talk about transformation without talking about community. In fact, there's no use in going further in talking about transformation without talking about community. And basically what happens here in the church is the most powerful as well as the most damning evidence of what we believe about Jesus Christ. I truly believe that. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. In a reverence for the word of God, let's stand together. These are the words of God from 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Propitiation just means the satisfaction, the, the justification of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also Ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. But this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also, so also we are in this world. May the Lord bless the reading of his words. You may be seated. So in this passage, we're going to see that the main evidence of spiritual transformation is seen in community. Again, we can talk and preach and say all we want, but what we actually believe is what actually happens when we meet together, as we are together, the things we really say to one another, that if we're seeking to be transformed by the Spirit of God in our hearts, and seeking to say that, that, that there is really change going on in our hearts, then we needn't look no further than our relationships in the church. Because relationships really are the first fruits of the Spirit, or the lack of the work of the Spirit in our hearts. Now there are a lot of elements of the spiritual transformation that we can look at, but today we want to really look at, from this passage, the area of love. Love. Now before uh, Jesus was crucified, he prayed and he asked that his followers and the generations to come that there would be one thing that would characterize uh, characterize them and that is their unity, their love for one another. He says this would be the greatest testimony of the reality of Jesus and the gospel to the dying world. And so we know that love is very important upon Jesus' heart. And if you look at... um, Scripture, and I find this really interesting because I was looking at this and I didn't think about it too much. But as you look at the New Testament in particular, you start realizing that church is not that easy. I mean, when Paul was writing, um, you get these glimpses that there are a lot of struggles going on in, in the churches in Corinth, in Galatia, in Romans, uh, in Rome, in John, as he's writing to uh, the Christians again. It seems that there are some struggles here. And, you know, a lot of times we think church is really easy, or we get surprised when there's struggles or problems in the church. And we start thinking, well, you know, is that really the way things should be? No, they shouldn't be that way. But if you look at Scripture, you begin to realize that actually that's where a lot of the spiritual battle is fought. A lot of scripture, a lot of the epistles are written to churches that are going through struggle. And, 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 and God's word to that. And so we want to begin with, really, we talk about the supernatural love of God in the community. So looking at verse 7. When we're saved by God, we love, not just love because we're loving people or love because we're grateful. We love like Jesus does because God is in us. That there's a a type of love, if if, if the Spirit is doing a transforming work in our life, which He is, it's going to show in the way that we love God one another in the way that we treat one another John even emphasizes the negative by saying anyone who does not love does not know God uh, because God is love and I look at that and go wow that's kind of blunt you know to say that to a church Um, but it's a strong statement he's saying if you don't love others you don't know God that's what he's saying to the church now Again, he's not talking about salvation. He's not saying you're not saved. But he's saying, really, we're not walking with God. We're not experiencing a God's work, God's transformation, transforming work in our lives if we are not loving others. Because that loving others is that evidence of transformation going on. So suffice to say that inner transformation demands outward transformation. Demonstration. If we really say this year we're going to be transformed in our hearts for Jesus Christ, then we would expect to see that God will, we'll, we'll see that in the church together, that by, you know, 365 days later as we sit here together and worship, you know, in, in our 26th year, we'll be saying, you know, God has really changed this church, That when we come in and we, we interact with people and we talk with people and we pray for each other and we play together and work together and whatever, we see a difference because God not only has been transforming our lives inside this year, but that transformation has poured out into everything that we see around us and that's that's what we really want to see here in this church that's that's really the goal uh the 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 direction if you say that we want to see coming in this year so the next question is really how do we grow in Jesus love how does it really manifest uh, in the community together now the answer may be a little surprising uh, but I'm gonna put it in this way let's see if you cannot first receive God's love graciously, you cannot give love graciously. Okay, no, it's it sounds interesting, but think about it again. If you cannot receive love graciously, you cannot give love graciously. If you look again at verse 9, it says, This is the love of God made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, this is not saying, oh, just because God loves you, so therefore you better love one another. It's saying that John is saying that that part of the prerequisite of the Jesus type of love is that we first have received God's grace. We receive His love. That God initiates that love, that the love of God manifests means we didn't earn it, we didn't seek it, we didn't, you know, kind of uh, work for it, but rather it appeared because God desired to give it to us. This is love, that God loved us. This is how love works that God express his love to us first. And in and, and verse 19 of this, of this chapter, it says, we love because he first loved us. Now again, going back, you cannot first, if you cannot receive love graciously, you cannot give love graciously. What this means is that if we cannot humble ourselves, And receive God's help, then we will not be able to love others properly. If if we feel like the only way that we can get God's love is by deserving it, by earning it, and and, and it's really hard to say, I'm just going to receive it, what I don't deserve. If we have a hard time and we struggle with that, we're going to have a hard time giving that type of love to other people. If we tend to judge and we say, well, I'm not going to ask for help because if I ask for help, that means I'm weak. So I'm not going to ask for help because I'm better than that. You know, We don't say I'm better than that, but we just say I'm not going to ask for help. Judgment, a, a judgmental spirit can't receive grace because a judgmental spirit says that I'm no better than anyone else. And so in order to have a judgmental spirit, we don't receive God's grace. Because God's grace, if we receive God's grace, we have to say, I'm just as bad as everyone else. I'm no better than anyone else. So if I can't receive God's grace, how can I give it? How can I give that type of love to another person? It's always going to be hindered because I'm unable to receive grace. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, it says love one another, which means, this is those one another phrases, which means both ways. It goes both ways. It's not, uh, we'll show love because us spiritual people will always show love to the weaker people. Us spiritual Christians will show love to those who don't know Jesus Christ. Us uh, Christians who Uh, are really hardworking and very mature, we'll always show love to those who still need to kind of catch up a little bit. That's not what this is saying. He says, if we, he doesn't say, men will know we're disciples if all the spiritual disciples love the less spiritual disciples. He says, no, you're my disciples if you love one another. That means if you love and serve and honor them, and you allow them to love and serve and honor you in the same way. I mean, if we can't humbly receive help from others, what does that say about my ability to accept help from God? If I can't let others show kindness to me through generosity or other means, and sometimes we say, oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to let anybody know my struggles. I don't want to receive any help. If we say, well, I, I really can't, You know, it's hard for me to accept that. What's that really saying about my ability to receive grace from God? It means that I'm probably just as proud and self-sufficient in my own spiritual life as well. To say, God, thank you for salvation, um, but, you know, right now I don't really need you. Um, I could figure this out. That's not receiving grace from God. Thrall says an unhealthy condition occurs when when a Christian learns only to give love rather than receive love. If you didn't think that, then you missed the foundation of how to love better more and better. Learning to let others love us is part of what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I mean, really think about this. What is a transformed church? A transformed church is a church, is a community of grace. Grace is what makes this church what it is. What is grace? Receiving grace requires humility. It requires that we humble ourselves. Grace, we know we need grace. In fact, we know we can't. We can't live without it, and we know we can't get it on our own, and so God gives it to us. Well, we need help from others too, even though we won't admit it. We can't live. God said he created us in a way as Christians so that we cannot live and function properly without the help of other Christians. But something in our minds just tells us, but I can't do that, God. God. There's something in our minds that says, I could take care of myself. And and, and I don't want other people to know my problems. Why? Because I'm spiritual? No. Because I'm proud. Because I don't want to receive undeserved favor from another person, another brother and sister in Christ, and say that I need help. And that's so... The first thing that needs to really come is humility. Grace requires us to humble ourselves. If we, if we can say that we humble ourselves before God and receive His grace, then we should be able to say we can humble ourselves before our brothers and sisters in Christ and receive help that we do not deserve because we need it. Second, if we want to receive God's unmerited favor, what do we have to do? We have to trust God, right? We have to trust We put ourselves in a vulnerable position to allow God to help us, to allow God to save us. I'm trusting you, God, that if I surrender myself to you, if I give myself to you, that you will not harm me. You will save me. You will fulfill your promises. That's trust. Why don't we let others help us? Why don't we share our needs and our hurts with others? Because we don't trust them. Right? We don't trust them, we say, well, what if they hurt me? What if they judge me? What if they think now that there's something wrong with me, that I'm a a bad Christian or I'm not so good? What if they hold it over me someday and accidentally bring it out in a conversation? This is this is trust. And we say, Well, I can't receive love, I can't share things to receive love from other people because I don't trust them. I'm worried about what happens if I put myself in a humble position and accept help from another person. If I tell them that I'm struggling right now with this temptation, uh, will they hurt me with it? If I tell them that I'm struggling with my children, will they uh, hurt me with that later on? Uh, Will they think differently of me? Um, When when, when when the, the community of God's grace means that we have to learn to trust each other to believe that when we open up and put ourselves in a humble position that, that we're not going to be hurt. Now, we are going to be hurt sometimes. That, that, that's just a part of life because all of us are human. We, we do stupid things and sinful things. But that should not stop us from, from learning and growing and, and trusting one another and really being willing to, to, to receive help to ask for help. If we're going to be a Jesus community, we have to be humble, not just like the fake stuff, like, oh no, it's too much trouble, I don't want to bother you, you know, these are my struggles, God will take care of me, and we think that that's kind of humble, and you know, maybe we really do think that's kind of humble, but God's saying, really, that's not humble, because if you don't allow other people to pour into your lives, if you don't Open yourself up to allow other people, even allow other people to hurt you maybe. uh, um, That's not humility. Because the humility that God is looking for, the the, the, the love that God is looking for is, is the love that's going to be expressed in a community that learns to humble themselves, to trust one another, to receive help when we need help because God made us that way. And also to give, now then to be able to now give help because we know how it feels to receive it. That it's hard. And once we learn to receive it better, we will learn even more so how to give out love in the way that Jesus gives love. That's, that's Jesus' community. Jesus' community is not a place where we show others how good we are, how godly we are, how we have it all together. It's not a place where we just serve one another because we got it and they don't. In fact, that's the exact opposite of a Jesus' community. But unfortunately, that's the way most churches function. We don't allow humility, we don't allow trust, we don't allow uh, these things, and so we shut out grace, the grace of God. Thoreau says, before you even hope to routinely nurture a community of grace in which you can live and work, you must learn to trust others with yourself. Humility is not codependency, but humility spawns an interdependency where those in the community routinely say, I need others to get healthy. Without others, I cannot get well. I cannot mature. Those last words, very important. I need others to get healthy. Without others, I cannot get well. I cannot mature. If we're going to be transformed, if that's our goal as a church, to be transformed in our lives, to have the Spirit really change us, then we're going to have to admit that we need others. We're going to have to take that risk to open up the possibility of being hurt, but yet the greater possibility of receiving and knowing what it's like to receive grace from a brother and sister in Christ. Um, This was really convicting to me. I was reading this, and then I was like, You know, a lot of times people will ask, do you need help? And I'll say, no, I don't need help. Or they ask, how are you doing? Are you okay? And I'll say, "Ah, things are rough, but, uh, you know, it's okay. In fact, if you ask me that after service, I'll probably say that again. (laughs) Because that's just what I say. And then I was reading and I was thinking, you know what? I mean, if I don't allow people to minister to me, then I rob people of the opportunity to exercise their spiritual gift. I'm saying, well, you have the spiritual gift of wanting to serve, but I don't want it. So I'm not going to let you serve me because I'm proud. And I'm not doing people a favor by saying thanks, but no thanks. Instead, I feel like, and I was reading again, I'm robbing people of the joy of being transformed by the Spirit as they serve me in love. I know that sounds funny, but it really did convict me to say, I don't want to rob people of, that opportunity because I love serving people I get I get excited when I serve people but yet why won't I let people get excited by serving me because I'm proud and I I don't want to step on toes but we'll just go ahead and step on toes step on feet Um, if you are constantly serving others all the time and you refuse help from anyone, refuse to share any needs, this actually may be the ones who struggle the most with living a life of grace. Being unable to stop and receive help from others or even from God. And so we want to really humble ourselves, take that risk, trusting one another. Maybe you're here, and maybe it's the opposite problem. You, you, you ask everybody for help. You say, "God, Pastor I have no problem. I ask everybody for help. That's fine. Maybe God is saying, what is your part now in helping someone else? Being that part of helping someone else. See, grace, grace is not an act. Grace is... Um, and... I missed one slide but anyways grace is not an act grace is the sum total of all the acts within a church which produce an environment okay that's what we want here an environment of grace meaning that we as people together we learn how to receive love and give love receive love and give love when we're outside of the church, when we're hanging out together, when we're, when we're you know, in need outside of the church, we give love, receive love, give love, receive love. And as we continue to practice that together as a church family, then the grace of God becomes this environment. If no one's willing to receive help and we're saying, well, we're all okay, I got problems, but once we leave church, I'm going to take care of it, how are we going to give love to each other? I want to give love. I want to I care for somebody. But you know, everybody I talk to says, I'm Okay. I'm fine. But we know we're all struggling. We know we are. So we have to. We have to let people know. We we are hurting. We need help. Beloved, um, God so loved us, so we ought to love one another and it says God abides in us and his love is perfected in us, this is the idea of discipleship. His love is perfected, meaning it's not perfect yet. We're still going to hurt each other. We're still going to be proud, but he is transforming us day by day as his love is perfected in us. He is making us those disciples. When this poor Spirit begins to pour out on our church with power, we humble ourselves. We love one another. We don't stand back and say, well, I'm that person that really doesn't need the help. I'm glad they're all helping each other. I'm glad they got connected, but I'm fine on my own. We don't want to be the ones standing outside when God is actually working a great wonder in making us a community of Jesus Christ. And so, as, as a, a, a specific application, this week, I want every one of us to have a GSC. A genuine spiritual conversation. So what I want you to do is meet with someone for lunch, call someone on the phone, go out today even, but make sure you have a genuine spiritual conversation. Don't talk about the first week of the NFL (laughs) or whatever. You can talk about that. But make sure that within that conversation, You stop and say, so how's your spiritual life going? Okay, so don't be surprised now you go out to lunch and that suddenly, you know, you're talking and somebody stops and says, so how's your spiritual life going? And be ready to answer. And when you ask that, be ready to answer. And so have that opportunity. Sit down. Instead of talking about things at church, instead of just talking about our kids, instead of just talking about this and that and whatever, have a genuine spiritual conversation, which is about How am I doing spiritually? What are some of the struggles that I'm going through spiritually? How can you pray for me? How can we help one another? How are you doing in your spiritual life? What are the things I can pray for you? How can I help you spiritually? This is genuine spiritual conversations. Let's commit ourselves. You know, we're coming up on that, on our anniversary. What a wonderful way to do that, uh, to celebrate or prepare for that by just getting together with friends or, or even people we don't know too well and sitting down and saying, how's your spiritual life going? And expect that we're going to hear more and say more than just saying, oh, things are okay. <laughs> they will go deeper than that. Because that's what God really wants. He wants us to, to be open, to share, and to be able to help. And to love one another. That's, that's the love of Jesus Christ. It is receiving grace and giving grace. And so as we take communion today, as we observe the fact that this is God's greatest act of grace to us. Um, let us receive it graciously, his love graciously, so that we might give his love graciously to others. And, and, and we do this together. We take communion together. Why? Because this is something that must be done in community. So let's go ahead and let's spend some time in prayer. Let's spend some time